Welcome to another episode of Tools, Talents, and Techniques. And we have a very special episode for you today. We're actually joined by two guests, Mr. Lance Onkin and Matt Ellis, who are the driving forces behind the team at Measurable, which is a cutting-edge ESG platform tailored for the real estate industry. For those of you who aren't familiar with Measurable, they are the world's most widely adopted ESG solution for real estate, which is environmental, social, and governance. Uh, and customers use Measurable to measure, manage, report, and act on ESG data on more than 15 billion square feet of commercial real estate across 92 countries. Just remarkable. Measurable empowers customers to optimize their ESG performance and then assess their exposure to fiscal climate risk, drive decarbonization, and secure sustainable finance opportunities. And that's a big part of what we talk about in this conversation. So Lance and Matt, the co-founders and you know, CTO and CEO, respectively, they bring um, a background in software development and then also finance, sustainability, and real estate. So they really have been able to establish this dream team of a, of a pairing, but also their entire team and what they're developing there is just going to be groundbreaking. Uh, it already is groundbreaking, and um, and I'm really excited to see what the future holds. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation as we discuss the, the journey behind Measurable's creation, its, its success, and its significance in today's world. So here they are, Mr. Lance Onkin and Matt Ellis. Matt and Lance, welcome to the show. Good to be here, Dustin. So I would like to, to start off by telling the audience a little bit about yourself. Uh, could you just say your name and, and who you are, what you do? I'll, I'll lead us off, Lance, and follow up. Uh, so Matt Ellis, the co-founder and CEO of Measurable, and has been in the real estate business and the sustainability business for that matter for about 15 years. 10 years building this company measurable with Lance um, and in my capacity as CEO, I get to run the day-to-day um, overall uh, and also then the long-term strategic efforts of the business. Awesome. And hi everyone, Lance Onkin, Chief Technology Officer. Been building uh, measurable with Matt for over 10 years now and have over 20 years in the technology space. Prior to measurable, the principal software engineer at a San Diego company called WebSense. We did enterprise web security. Um, and I guess we talk about our backgrounds. I've sort of done everything from on-prem to cloud to hybrid deploys and have really enjoyed building Measurable to bring technology to ESG and commercial real estate and find that intersection. Well, as I will have said in the introduction, I'm a big fan of your company and what you're doing. I feel like you are pioneers in the space and what you're doing overlaps Sustain, you know, sustainability, doing good and doing it very well. And I feel like you guys are, are at the, the forefront of that. And congratulations on 10 years in. That's fantastic. And uh, I know later on, we're going to talk about where this is going in the next 10 years. But I wanted to start a little bit about your origin story and how you guys originally met, because I know there's, a, there's another story there behind uh, how you guys originally met versus how you guys partnered up for this. Sure. Um, so, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll get us going, and then there's a natural point here to hand off to Lance. Um, so the story, Dustin, goes a bit like this. Lance shared his background. My background is specifically in commercial real estate at CBRE, which is the world's largest real estate services company, and I worked in brokerage. Um, and I was able, through that experience, to ultimately blend my personal interest in sustainable with my professional life. And what that meant was I became the director of sustainability solutions for CBRE, working on uh, services uh, around energy and sustainability for CBRE's clientele globally. These were both corporations um, as well as institutional owners and investors in real estate. And that really gave us the, the kind of that experience gave us a founding two insights into this business, which were one, there was a remarkable transformation underway in the economy for more traditional models of business, more sustainable models. Um, that was going to disproportionately impact the real estate business because it's the world's largest asset class. And one of its most environmentally and socially impactful. Nearly 40% of global carbon emissions, 30% of potable water, 28% of raw materials. We spend 90% of our time indoors, so the health and well-being impacts are also very real. Um, the second thing that we, we noticed is you couldn't measure it. 
pun intended for our business, right? So there's no objective definition of what a green or sustainable building was. So those were the key couple of insights during my tenure at, at CB and wanted to pursue solving for those um, using technology. And since I was a real estate broker, I didn't know a lot about technology. And that's where um, my longtime friend Lance comes in because that is his domain. So I started kind of pinging and calling on Lance and saying, hey, I have some ideas and I think we need to bring technology to bear. And could you tell me, you know, what an API is, what's agile, <laughs> how do we do that? And I think that's a good spot for you to kind of pick up, Lance. Yeah, I think that's fair, Matt. You know, um, most origin stories have multiple perspectives. And from my point of view, here comes yet another person with an idea. Hey, can you build an app sort of thing? And we sat down over coffee as we so often did. And you explained, you know, sort of where you were coming from and just the, the, the way that vision, the vision technology ESG started to come together in our minds over coffee, something so different than, you know, yet another app to solve a sort of mundane problem. There was really an opportunity to leverage um, patterns that we had seen in other technology platforms to integrate a uh, paper and Excel spreadsheet world to bring together insights and workflows in a, in a technology SaaS tool that could really drive change. And so um, it's, a, it's a fun moment for me to reflect on as we talk about here, Dustin, because many of our early sketches, our, our notebooks and napkins, have things we're still working on today or aspire to do. We, we had a, a very long arc. 10 years, in fact, in the making now and 10 years to go and, and so on. And so, um, yeah, the origin story was very much aspirational. And let's see what we could do in a year. Let's raise a little money. Let's see if we can get some interns and some of our friends and former colleagues to quit their jobs and take a leap of faith with <laughs> us. I mean, what's, what's, what's the worst that can happen? You can always yeah. go back and get another job, right? Well, that, that's amazing. You know, both of you have brought up things that I want to dive a little deeper on. And I want to start with with Matt, what you mentioned, you were a broker at CBRE. What was that like when you were transitioning into the sustainability manager? I mean, were you, were you what, was it something you actively pursued? Were you like, I, I think I want to do this. And were there people in your ear that said, well, we're thinking of doing this. Like, what was that whole moment like? So back in 2008, 2009, what was going on in the real estate business was the global financial crisis precipitated by real estate. And so it was a very difficult time to do anything in real estate at all, um, let alone try to conceive of or pursue like frontier ideas around, quote, green and sustainability. Um, but it also, as I think this sort of cliche goes, right, like Adversity, necessity, mother invention, adversity fosters some of the best, you know, new ideas and, and new ways forward. And so at that time, seeing how difficult it was in brokerage and leasing and corporate and real estate and thinking about how I could differentiate myself and try to find new value. And again, being very personally interested in sustainability, I thought that maybe these emerging concepts could help me do that. And and so yes, the beginning was a the the blending. I think like a lot of hopefully entrepreneurial stories and personal interest and passion for something with like recognition that there's an opportunity or a problem to be solved. Then it was self education. So the, one of the first things I did was pursue lead accreditation, which is the lead is the dominant green building certification, certainly in North America, but prominent around the world. And uh, there's an exam you can take and you could become what they call accredited. You certify the building, but the individuals are accredited. So I asked my boss at the time, a guy named Mark Reed, for I think a couple hundred dollars to take the exam. And I took the exam and I passed and I became a lead accredited broker. From there, actually, as I pursued sustainability as a as a day-to-day -day business, I advocated for a role around that at CBRE. Um, my first title, interesting, my first key business concept was around brokerage again, but brokerage of carbon offsets and credits into the real estate segment. Hmm. And so my first title was actually VP of carbon. To do that job, I didn't know how to do carbon accounting, but there was a certification program through the Association of uh, Building Engineers. Um, and I ended up getting two credentials, one for carbon accounting and one for energy and and basically energy optimization in buildings. CB 
generously paid for those credentials as well. And then additionally, I went and took a um, a corporate responsibility and sustainability course through Harvard Extension, a series of courses, and you can end up either with a, a degree or, in my case, a certificate if you take about five of these courses. So I did all that over a period of a couple of years to just sort of self-educate and build my skill set um, and then you know become somewhat credible, at least as a proponent of sustainability in real estate. So that's, that's what I went through. So that that's that's fantastic that the people that were in charge saw that what you wanted to do and they responded in kind by helping you along in that in that path. Yeah, there's a I wrote once midway through Lance and I's journey as we began to pick up steam as a company. I did a guest post for um, uh, like Huffington Post and it was on entrepreneurship specifically building new businesses inside existing companies and talking about how do you go about that? What's the method um, for advocacy of a new idea, recruiting sponsorship and resources, so people and money. Mm -hmm. Um, And then um, on you go. So refer people to that. But basically a lot of what I did besides self-education and business planning was work on sponsorship getting my bosses and, and peers to support these ideas in the business. Um, you know, cause you could have the best business plan in the world, but if people weren't interested in reading it, it's not going to go anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. And so Lance, do you remember you brought up having the old notebooks and when you were sketching it out, do you remember the moment when Matt contacted you about this idea? Mm-hmm. I do. In fact, I had, I'd just done sort of a once in a lifetime trip to Tanzania uh, with my now wife uh, to climb Mount Kilimanjaro to do some uh, trekking. And I had gotten back and had this email in my inbox from Matt. We had previously connected over a, a water polo match. And it's like, hey, I want to run some things by you. And for me, you know, my perspective is completely different coming in and hearing Matt uh, talk about carbon accounting. There's a lot of homework I needed to do. In fact, mm-hmm. in those early days, I, I went and wrote flashcards and started studying because we really knew that you would have to master the domain, understand the customer, the, the challenges that they were facing. And to do that, you have to speak their language. So I very much remember those early days being lost in uh, an acronym soup, if you will, of, of what was still a very emerging uh, set of concepts. In fact, I think if we get into this talking about the arc of measurable, you'll see that our very early days, um, we were just trying to keep up with what ESG was, what green was, what carbon disclosure was, and trying to navigate a lot of the evolution. It was really a, a collective effort of education, bringing people to the table. And um, we could talk a little bit more about this too, Matt. You talk, but being the voice of reason sometimes in, in, a, um, in a market that's evolving, right? Like helping... Um, provide technology, tools, brand awareness, education, so that way we can focus on the right things, driving outcomes um, more so than things that can get sort of conflated with greenwashing or other sort of negative uh, connotations. So yeah, very much remember those early days. Feels like a world, a lifetime ago. Um, it's been a fun ride. Do you, do you, because uh, you mentioned having the notes and all the sketches and things, did you save all those things? Do you guys still have the emails and all the sketches and all the things that you drew up in the beginning? Yeah, here and there, there's I, uh, yeah. Well, Matt, I can think of every once in a while, he'll send me some screenshot that he comes across of like our earliest iterations of our product, which is always a kit. And the, and the um, I have pictures, Lance, you might remember when we were sitting our first office, um, besides my, my living room, my bedroom, the living room, our first office was actually in a janitorial closet in a building in Mission Hill, San Diego. There was this, um, you know, building near my house. Of course, naturally, I wanted to be able to walk to work sort of thing and went over there and the guy that was leasing the property said, no, we got no vacancy. I said, well, what about that? There's this door with nothing on it in the corner. So I said, we'll take it. So, and you can keep all the paint and the solvents in there too. So don't worry about moving out. So we had ourselves a deal. In any event, we were in the janitorial closet and then to make matters worse, in the back of the janitorial closet, there was um, a, another room for literally storing paint and stuff. And we were in there trying to figure out one day how to map in our business utility meters, right? Like you have in your house to the spaces that that meter serves, which for real estate sustainability ends up being very important capability. And it's very confusing. It's just like this archaic concept. And an engineer of ours at the time, Dave Schumann, 
um, uh, was there, a really smart guy, and our designer, a guy named um, Don, was uh, had us literally against the wall, placing the meter as a sticky against you know the spaces in the building. And I have a picture of Dave scratching, again, really smart guy, scratching his head. And I remember thinking, we're never going to figure this out. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I have that picture too. It's a pretty good one. Before before we move forward to actually, you know, the the first ten years and all the things that you were doing, when did you two first meet? I think what Lance, the first place we really knew each other was in college. Yeah, the, the summer the summer before Matt and I joined up on the same um, junior Olympic eighteen and under team. And went and played this prestigious tournament where all the best teams come together and, and um, took home the gold medal together. And I think when we were competing at that tournament, we learned that we were both headed to San Diego, to attend UC San Diego. And yeah, that summer we both tried out and made the, the water bowl team. So our uh, collegiate experience uh, was woven around both academics and athletics. I think I was off studying computer science and engineering. Matt, you were studying maybe a double major in religion and economics, if I recall correctly. And so there we were, right, like covering the campus um, from where all the nerds hung out with me and Dave to where Matt was in the water um, and in the social life. So those are sort of the early days, right, like working through growing as an into an adult, uh, finding ourselves competing and having some fun. So those those are the early days. So then after you graduate, you go your separate ways. You, you mentioned before, um, Matt, you, did you go immediately into brokerage? Um, no, I went well, to what, what the, yeah, what the, what the, real estate. You're a religion mate. So I don't, I don't want to skip over that. <laughs> that, that I, I wasn't realized. I didn't realize that was the case. That's no, I didn't, no, I didn't go into to preaching. Um, that would have been quite a career diversion, but um I went into real estate, residential real estate, went into graduate school, went into commercial real estate. Again, auspiciously timed 2008, started at CB, um, and then several years from that to get into sustainability and then ultimately conceive of the company. Okay. And Lance, you went right into tech right after right after college? Ye- yeah, I somehow threaded the needle. I converted an internship I obtained through Library Walk, you know, on campus into a full-time job when no one was hiring back in 2003 and worked at WebSense for a little over 10 years. They uh, performed sort of back in the day, employee internet filtering and monitoring and turned into web security, turned into um, a really great experience where I got to um, see into the lens and participate in uh an acquisition of a competitor and integrating their people and technology to uh, outsourcing and offshoring into Beijing offices to a vertical integration for a um, data leakage protection technology. It was really um, interesting to see how to apply not only the patterns of software development, the best practices, thinking about security, which has become core competencies of even technologies like Measurable, to having those M&A experiences, which uh, Measurable's participated in uh, you know, over the last two years with a, uh, two uh, acquisitions, both the, the vertical integration for IoT inside the building technology and a, a utility data automation uh, backbone that we've integrated. So I think that those experiences were really formative and um, helpful for the trajectory of Measurable. And it makes sense. This is so great hearing this backstory for me because when I when I see you know your profiles and what you're doing now, there's so much more context to it, and see what you guys both went different directions, but you came back together with all of these different tools to be able to put it together to to do what you're currently embarking on. So, the the first ten years from the janitor's closet, what was the what was the first big step that you that you were like, okay, we're on the right path, like we we're we're getting it, or was there was there time in between that? I'm thinking here, Lance, I, I, there was, there's some stuff between the janitorial closet um, and this is a really important part, right? So to, to, initially in consultation with Lance, taking these, these balsamic mock-ups, these early wireframes of kind of what the product could be and working with a contract software developer. Again, Lance was at WebSense and then our first backend engineer, Dave Schumann, was at Bloomberg at the time. Um, so they've begun, Lance began advising on the project, and Dave also 
begun to contribute some ideas and help out. But to, to, to build anything, we actually had a contractor in there for a moment. And there, there became clear, like, there's some there there, and we're going to have to, like, we're going to have to do this. We're going to have to build a team. To build a team, we're going to have to have money. They were both you know, well-compensated professionals. Um, I had already made the, the, the leap out of my job at that point in time. So this is all happened in the span of a few months. But I remember basically sitting down with the guys and saying, look, how much do you need? You know, what covers the rent? You know, I, obviously, we're not going to replace the WebSense salary or the Bloomberg salary. But, like, what's the minimum number? And we wrote that down in a paper and we agreed that if we could raise enough to cover them uh, and maybe a few other odds and ends incidentals for one year, I think it was, Lance, that they would leave their jobs and, and join the company officially full time. Uh, so that then became the next major effort and push was to raise, I think we somehow came up 750,000 bucks. This is this number that it was all in labor costs, all in just to run the business for a year. It wasn't just the two of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had to raise seven hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars, and we we did that. Did that on a convertible note. Um, we did that, I think, relatively quickly. Actually, I think that, that happened in you know, a few months. Pretty good. I think we had a running start. We had you know a little bit of friends and family money in the business at that point. Mm-hmm. So that was between uh, you know initial formation of the business and kind of becoming a company with employees and uh, getting going. What was what was the initial and you met, you alluded to this a little bit about like the metering and those things, but was there when you're raising funds when you're trying to assemble the team, what was the initial problem that you were trying to solve? The, the initial one was focused on reporting to a key sustainability uh, framework called GRES, the Global Real Estate Sustainable Benchmark, which at that time had that was a, a couple years old, had begun to gain some prominence, is one of the main ways that real estate organizations would measure and benchmark their sustainability performance. And it was a nightmare. I worked on this as a consultant when I was at CBRE, and I saw what it represented was this whole new frontier of not GRES specifically, but rather data collection, data quality assurance, analytics and benchmarking other disclosures that we'd have to make, actions that we would have to take in our buildings and our portfolios. So gradually was a uh, a symptom of the larger requirement of sustainable transformation. Um, so, but we went at it right there. So if we could solve for this disclosure, if we could figure out ways to get the data, to organize the data, to do this process, aka like TurboTax for sustainability reporting, we mm. could then build off that data to do these other things. That's what we did. And Lance, that's that, that you were aligned on. That's the vision. And as you're building the structure on the on the technology piece, that was your understanding as well at that time. Yeah, absolutely. I think if we go back to that, it was we're wearing multiple hats all at once. Matt was trying to build the business, which entailed marketing it, selling it, raising funds, and I would support him wherever I could on that. And then together, he and I would establish the product vision. And then I would go execute on that, which included building it, recruiting people, delegating the work. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I think we set out with a, a mandate around reporting, uh, enterprise grade reporting, where we really needed to figure out ways to collect the data, quality assure it, assign the attributes, and then compute against methodologies, which are really lenses of ways to apply business rules to data, whether or not you have operational control over a building, if you bought or sold it, if you leased it, to take into account the location of buildings and the carbon emissions factors that are relevant for that building based on e-grid. And, you know, we started to really pull on this thread that is a big ecosystem of uh, factors that come into how you adjudicate carbon. And so we're building this and learning as we go. And um, so that's this reporting aspect and building the partnership with, with that. And Really, it was about collecting the data to power that. So we are looking at integrating with Portfolio Manager, which is an Energy Star product, bulk uploads, API integrations to push or pull data. And so we started to bite off those. We really knew that getting the data, quality assuring it, providing insights into that data was an underpinning to be able to produce accurate, trustworthy, and actionable outcomes. Reporting is like definitely the uh, the wind behind the sale of measurable initially but 
when you step back from that, you start to look at where can I deploy capital on my building to achieve outcomes, the mm. ROI for that. Where are my laggards? Which buildings are high performing? If I'm going to buy new assets, how will that impact my holdings and the profile I have? And so this process really orients around this object of a building and all the things that go into it. And over the years, we added things like physical climate risk, understanding sea level rise, heat stress, water, hurricane, earthquake for your buildings, understanding stranding risk. Can I sell this building? Can I even insure it? Um, so really getting um, this worldview of all of the material aspects in what our customers are ultimately trying to do is to make good investments, manage those well, have a financial outcome. And through that journey, people like you and me go to an office and have a great experience. Our health and well-being is taken care of and we can produce um, both high rent rolls for the people that are maintaining those buildings and have a good outcome for the company I'm working at. So we started to see this really big ecosystem unfold. If anything, Matt, that was the most challenging thing is that we kind of jumped into this deep end of I'll put it this way. You know, you're onto something when someone sees your product and says, hey, can you do this, this, and this? <laughs> yeah. Because they're so excited for someone to help solve either the problem or the opportunities that they're seeing. And I think Measurable really benefited from that um, engagement it, from, from it, the it market. Dist it, it distills down to this. ESG, sustainability, shorthand, is material to business. Full stop, period. Now, that may be the real estate business in our case, but businesses of all types, sizes, complexions, it's material. When I say material, I mean that in a very financial uh, sense. It changes our cost of capital. It exposes us to regulatory risk, right? These are material aspects of business. So what Lance and I, I don't think, fully appreciated, if we had to go back in time and talk about measurable its inception, we probably should have said something more like measurable um, allows you to solve for a set of material financial concerns in the, on the frontier, which are these new sustainability concerns, which again, material financial concerns. The way that we did that initially, right, was through this reporting focal point. We recognized that reporting was hard, wasn't scalable, it was prone to error, all the classic technology problems, right? And mm -hmm. so we went there first. And I think that as we learned with the customers, just how material the information on those reports was, that began an opportunity for a real company, right? Which is going to chase down all that value and help our customers unlock the material reward and manage the risk inherent in that data. And that's really what the business is today. Yeah. And I love that you both alluded to this is that, well, number one, you were solving a problem. Like this, you're like, this is a mess. Like, like, why is this so hard? And I, I love that most of these entrepreneurial success stories start with something that, like you mentioned, Matt, um, that you're, that you're passionate about, but trying to solve a problem. And sometimes you don't even know the extent of the problem, but you just know that it could be done better. And Lance, you've mentioned pulling the thread. And then you, you just mentioned a lot of different things that, that comes along with that. But sometimes you, you try to solve one thing. You're like, why is this so hard? And then you're like, oh, yeah, there's a lot here. <laughs> there's, a, there's a lot that this is entailing. And you said, Lance, you said this in a very calm manner. But knowing what you know now, when you started pulling that thread, was it for, for both of you? Um, this question is for both of you. Was, was there anything that really jumped out like, oh, my God, this deep end is deeper than I, than I thought? Yeah, that the opportunity is is good for everyone, for business, mm -hmm. for change. So I, you know, it's, it's kind of cliche, but I think we'd be bored otherwise. The opportunity is so exciting and so meaningful and mm -hmm. so important that uh, it's it's worth, uh, you know, sort of exploring, wading into that uh, challenge. Yeah. Uh, the, and so, uh, you know, the fog of war has lifted over the past two years when Matt and I were out selling the company early on. It was, what's green? Why does it matter? And now it is, you know, I don't know if it's household uh, familiarity, but you hear people talking about CSR and ESG more, much more commonly. And I see it as we recruit employees and as people join the company that they want to be part of something that matters. So you're seeing that pervasiveness and that influence sort of everywhere. I, I was, I live out in Colorado and my in laws are, short drive away to live somewhat rural area. And uh, we have a great 
fire, outdoor fire area. And so we might go down there on weekends and make fire and to make fire, get some kindling together and a little bit of newspaper. And I was digging through the, um, the bin, grabbing some newspaper. And it was a whole special issue on sustainability and businesses. It was in packaging, it was in real estate, it was in bridge, transformation, transportation. And it's just one of those moments. And whenever you start paying attention to it, like say you drive a certain type of car, next thing you know, you're driving down the ferry and you're noticing how many of those types of cars are actually on the freeway. Mm-hmm. Everywhere I look, it's like organic, fair trade, um, uh, green loan, green bond, green REIT stock exchange or index products. And you start to realize just how vast this is. And that like in terms of the deep end, when you recognize that opportunity, you also have the equal and opposite reaction of, the amount of resourcing that will have to go into a company to address that, mm. um, the technical complexity of doing that, doing that then globally, because there are buildings almost every continent, actually every continent on planet Earth, there are buildings there. Um, so you start to have a true appreciation that this phenomenon pervades decisions, capital flows um, of all types around the world. And then, you know, you know, that's the excitement and the fear, the excitement of what we could do and the fear of what it would take to accomplish that. As you're seeing all these, this, this world of opportunity in front of you, and as you're, you're pulling the thread, you're, you're going for it and you're saying, okay, and then this, and people are asking for this, or can it do this? And, you, and, you're, and you're building this. Was there any uh, specific pushback or, or, or uh, obstacles that you didn't foresee as you were going along that you had to overcome? I mean, where do you begin? I think that's like literally the nature of entrepreneurship there, Dustin, is it's all about that. And it's about either pushing through or recognizing that that's an authentic no or not possible and figuring out other ways. And they're both totally cool. A lot of entrepreneurship, you talk about just going forward until you get um, a yes. And I think that, that there's a part of it that, that is that. It's like, yeah, you're trying to thing. A lot of people are going to say no until they say yes. I think there's a lot of good feedback that um, you, you should recognize as a no, it's a hard no, it's a pivot point and an iteration opportunity. Um, so I think this exists then when it comes to capital. On the capital side and capital raising, a lot of people just said sustainability wasn't a thing. That there's no market, that there's no you know, public traded company opportunity there whatsoever. And respectfully, I disagreed and I had to stick to my guns on this is the largest asset class on the planet. Everything from the building will be the green building, the loan will be the green loan, the bond will be the green bond. And eventually you get to a yes and prevail. But that was a lot of no. Now, the product side, um, the, the, there was a lot of pivot points there. It was like we thought that the value was here, but that actually was symptomatic of a deeper problem statement and a bigger value opportunity, say, in, in transforming the building itself as opposed to just reporting on it. So two different examples of adversity or no's, um, some you got to push through. There are fundamental beliefs and truisms that either you're right or you're wrong. And if you're committed to them, you just push. And, and there's others that you need to be much more flexible on um, and adapt to the, you know, to the feedback you're getting. Yeah, I agree with the latter. I think listening is a really important aspect of the whole journey is making sure you're hearing what the root cause is, that you're learning from the feedback. And sometimes the feedback is you guys aren't ready yet or you don't have enough capital in the bank for us to even do business with you because that's a risk because you're a storming. So lots of no's, lots of ways to go about cracking those sort of defenses, whether it's seeking out you know, some sort of strategic investment from a different arm within the same company to then get that commercial contract, whether it's, you know, becoming a brand leader and helping lead the the narrative in conjunction with other thought leaders to establish credibility, or just continuing to build a product that customers love and delivers outcomes that satisfies them and having our customers speak on our behalf about what Measurable has done for them. And I feel so appreciative of that experience that feedback loop from customers this is working this isn't working and you guys can Mm -hmm. do better or worse and so you know having the voice of the customer be out there sort of uh, representing measurable has always been one of our biggest sort of sponsors if you will that we're so appreciative of yeah and having that open line of communication with people that are that are aligned and, and that that you trust and it actually is uh you know their actionable steps to the feedback is is so important during this journey, I mean, you've you you've 
done a fantastic job with fundraising and, and actually um, implementing your technology and your platform. Was there anybody in particular, any companies or any specific people that you can think of that were your cheerleaders, that were your spot, that were like, I'm going to do whatever I can to help you get to the next stage? Were anybody stand out like that? Yeah. I mean, a lot. That's the cool part about this is it's not like you're not pushing a boulder uphill, at least not alone. Um, and to this very day, interestingly, like I have people that we never did business with as a customer who then changed their role in their careers. One fellow has ended up at the World Bank. Great guy. Hadn't talked to him in years. He was a customer briefly in his prior life in real estate. Um, pinged me on LinkedIn and um, had noticed some content we put on. Said, "How can I help? Who can I introduce you to?" I mean, it's just like he doesn't—he's a busy guy. He doesn't have to take the time out of his day to do that type of stuff um, at all. This morning, Lance, um, we got—we uh, released a new suite of functionality around Scope Three Carbon Accounting, and a uh, customer wrote back and said, uh, "Nice try, but we think there's a bug over here." That's great. But not not in a way in any other way to help the business serve mm -hmm. the community. I see this all the time. My alma mater, CBRE, what actually happened there was that I promoted the idea of Measurable as a technology solution for measuring real estate um, and wanted to do that inside the business. That business was not a technology company, so this isn't going to happen here. But they supported me in taking the IP out and they were our original customer, CBRE Investment Management, and today one of our very largest customers globally. I mean, you can't ask for better sponsorship or support. This stuff happens to us all the time. Yeah, I Lance. think those are all good examples. You know, I would add UC San Diego. You know, we're both alums mm. there, and it's been a really great network of support, whether it's our athletic background, um, access to the talented undergrads, whether they're interns or coming to join the company, all the way up to their newly formed major real estate and development. It's been around five or six years, and I sit on the advisory board there just well connected into actual real estate and development world. And I think that UC San Diego has really been an ally for us in, in supporting the company. Um, they have entrepreneurial programs in the campus that can provide access to funding and talent and mentorship. So Matt and I have both given back through speaking um, to the grad students, um, to showing up at other events, to providing opportunities for our employees to go and seek out support. Um, and some of them yeah. even decided to take the leap themselves and go start companies, which I think has been one of our success stories. So, um, yeah, I see. And one more plug. Yeah, well, and Lance sits on the advisory board for the real estate program at UC San Diego, helping them think about technology adoption real estate. Um, so he actively works there. Uh, we Many of our early employees out of UC San Diego, we had our 10th anniversary party. and. There's a couple of folks there um, who stick out to me. One was the mayor of San Diego, Todd Gloria, who has been a long time, way before we raised any meaningful money or had any meaningful economic impact in San Diego. Todd Gloria was still supportive of what we were trying to accomplish and came by the office and thought about us and advocated as he could for our business. Uh, he was at the 10-year party. And then also one of the administrators from UC San Diego showed up there to celebrate the business. So I, these people, like, to your question, they're all around all the time. And I think it speaks to the nature of the work we do. Mm. Uh, even if you're not in the real estate business, I think you can get the idea that climate change is, you know, a significant uh, task for us to address. Um, that's an understatement. And you're not going to do that without addressing the built world. And that's why I think people rally to what we do. One of the, one of the, the, so actually what you're doing now, and it, again, you mentioned the, the 10 year anniversary and where, where you are now can you speak to what you're doing now? Like what makes it so unique in this industry? And also like, I guess further from that, talk about what you're going to build on for these, these next five, 10 years. Yeah. Lance, I'd like to take a shot at the, um, the next five to 10 years. Um, but if, if you don't mind, I think Dustin's question about what makes it so unique. Could you talk about the product and the platform from meter to market for a moment? how that differentiates yeah. us. You know, uh, Dustin, we spent 
a decent amount of time talking about the early vision, but it's come a long way since then. So it's not just a reporting outcome, but really an ESG platform, a clearinghouse, if you will. So we integrate with many, many sources, whether it's pulling in certificate uh, certification data, energy and water data, physical climate risk, putting that through rigorous um, machine learning algorithms to look at data quality, gaps, overlaps, estimate data if needed. Um, and so really it's a it is a platform that can be used across different levels of engagement with the building, from the building manager to the portfolio manager who come in with different needs, look at trends and analytics, set up their integrations, export data, um, and look at comparative analysis. And it's so meaningful that we sit on top of billions and billions of square feet of data. I think Matt's got probably the most recent stats there. But the the scale of data that Measurable sits on gives us access to many, many, many types of buildings across many geographies with different impacts of energy, water, and features that go into our ML models, which allow us to produce really insightful analytics around the expected performance of buildings. We can put them into cohorts and analyze them for you. And all of this is very interesting to drive actionability and, and outcomes that you might seek. And so we've got that as the core platform. And we can really boost your onboarding experience. We have a utility data acquisition backbone. You can give us your credentials, just like mint.com, and we can go out and fetch utility bill data if you don't have it in a data system already. Very useful. And for building operators who really want to get in and understand their building automation systems and their devices under that supporting HVAC systems and whatnot, we have an asset optimization technology that can really be used to provide insights into the operational performance of buildings. So that's everything from startup and shutdown sequences, holiday schedules, and measures you can take to look at areas for opportunity to improve your chillers, if not performing. There's a whole swath of ML models that we produce to analyze each individual building's um, apparatus, if you will. So Think about it as this really big arc, which is then underpinned by professional services and help you get from wherever you are in your journey to a set of outcomes. So we think about it as a set of products that can deliver those ESG outcomes. Is that a good tee up, Matt? Yeah, that's good. I mean, wait, that's, wait, wait, um... well, hold on. Wait, wait before, before you go, because I want to ask you something, Lance, that uh, I, I just want to make sure I put a pin in this because, and maybe this is a little bit too much inside baseball, but like, here's a, here's a like, little case study for you. Let's say a building has HVAC, HVAC systems and in the lease they're required to quarterly maintenance, somebody come there. Does this technology that you're working on, it, it, do you see any ripple effects from other things? Like, okay, maybe the HVAC technician doesn't have to come out as often or you don't have to have quarterly because you're getting these readings so you can adjust. Is there, is there any ripple effects through the industries that you see like that? Yeah, def definitely. Um, I haven't tracked that specific stat, but we do see um, one of the main ways our, our customers can engage is, for example, setting targets, carbon reduction goals, and they can look at uh, ROI, other sorts of savings, whether it's dollars, emissions, water. And so we can track those reductions. Really, those are the outcomes that we're driving. I mm -hmm. hear you, though, on the, on the maintenance factor, but often it's a, a more macro trend that we're looking to establish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just thinking like as you're getting this information, the data, and you talk about actionable steps and, and things that take place, there's way more than just what's on the surface level. There's so many other things that can be impacted where people are saving time, money, energy, and in the end, to your to your uh, point is, you know, reducing carbon emissions. So, yeah. And Dustin, like the, the piece around the operating life of the building and making that better uh, in all regards, more profitable, but lower carbon intent, less resource intense, um, higher tenant attraction, retention, lower tenant churn. Um, all these things are in the operating perimeter of the building. But like when we talk about at measurable meter, serving the real estate community from meter to market, those things I just described, those things are really encapsulated when we talk about the meter level of the building, like making that specific building better, that HVAC, that boiler, that chiller reducing the amount of service you need and, and improving the performance. But that's an aspect of the sustainability ROI. It's not the whole thing. That It goes from meter towards market. And what market represents is the fact that the buildings that we inhabit, whether our home or offices or industrial facilities, whatever, are not just brick and mortar. They are debt and equity. So market is debt and equity. 
market is insurance, market is um, all the other stakeholders that may not own that individual building or occupy that building, but have a stake financial in it. And that's the real ROI and potential of sustainability is, yes, make the individual building and its components healthier, more resilient, better, have higher NOI. Uh, the opportunity moves from there across the fund and the portfolio where you can take that entire group set of buildings that are going to be bought and sold, leased, insured, right, refinanced, and improve outcomes there. And then all the way again to the market, which is the whole set of stakeholders that are going to be doing those activities with you. That's actually what measurable is and is trying to mm. solve for is mm. everything along the entire real estate value chain is to some degree inflected by sustainability. And if you don't have the data, then you don't have the lever to inflect it is our point. All right. So we're going to be providing the digital infrastructure and the data to all those stakeholders all the way across the spectrum. And to your bigger question on, well, so what next for the next five or 10 years? It's to do that. It's, that is a complex and substantial technology lift, but it's also a complex and substantial geographic lift. There are buildings in Singapore and there are buildings in India and we need to go to those places too uh, and optimize those buildings and improve those outcomes for all the stakeholders. So it's, it's really a, a, an enormous effort um, but it's one we're deeply dedicated to, so we can keep it going. Yeah, and and you know, thank you both for for sharing that because, and you're not doing it alone. Like you said, there's so many people that um that love what you do and they're aligned and and that you have supporting, uh, pushing this forward. So that's that's fantastic. Yeah. I be, before we take off, I wanted to ask both of you, and there's I know there's so many lessons that that you've learned over these years, but. Is there any one or two things that stand out of like a big lesson that, that you've taken from this journey so far? Can you pick one, Lance? I'd say invest in yourself in all aspects because it is a long journey. So if I knew that we would be doing this for 10 years and hopefully 10 more at the start, I would have been surprised because the odds are stacked against you for starting a company and going out there. So. You know, it, it is a journey. And I feel like from my point of view, having a strong relationship of business and outside with Matt has been my big takeaway for our success to like invest in myself, to uh, continue to grow. Some of the ways we've supported that is, you know, I'm in a professional CTO network. I'm surrounded by other hundreds of other CTOs in a forum capability. It's called seven CTOs. If you want to check it out um, to really be able to surround yourself with people that are either at the level you aspire to be at or, uh, or are currently at, so they can provide guidance and insights. You know, you don't need to learn from your own failures if you can learn from other people. And I think that that has been so valuable as we go into uncharted territories for both Matt and I. It's too, it's, it's, uh, it's too much of a question. I mean, I could pick apart any piece of this thing and say like, you know, the skill development that you need to be a subject matter expertise uh, expert. We're talking about carbon credentialing and building energy management credentialing um, it is a thing. And then there's also operating, being an operator of a business. Um, and increasingly, like my time and energy is spent very much in the latter, not the former. So we have a whole product team that will worry about the subject matter expertise and idea and develop and iterate with Lance and his uh, team. Um, I actually spend a lot of my time on HR and capital and investors and board and governance um, and being a community, you know, citizen of the community and representing the brand and these types of pieces. Right. So that's a very different set of skills. So I think it, if I, um, if I would just urge people to like, take a very wide view, if you're interested in it, take a very wide view of what your role and position in business can be. And um, foster the parts that you're strong at and acknowledge the parts that you're not. And, and for the parts that you're not, definitely make sure you find like in our story, right? I said early on, like, I'm not a technologist. I'm capable of learning some of those skills, but I never tried to be the CTO, right? There's some things you want to not do. Um, that's an obvious one, but uh, that's, that's my advice. And my, rec my, my kind of like takeaway from this 10-year journey is like take a big view. 
and and then put some stuff on the table that you want to pursue and make sure to pull some stuff off too. That's important. Lance and Matt, I'm so impressed with what you've been able to accomplish so far. I'm really excited to see what you have next, um, what what's coming next. And uh, you mentioned allies and, and people that are supporting you. You got, you got one in me. So if there's anything that I can do and support what, what you're doing and share your message um, by all means and anything you need. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing. Congratulations on all your success and, you know, equally as impressive as, as people, you are as people as businessmen. So thank you so much for being so generous with your time. Appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Fun to be here. Guys, that, that's you. Guys. Thank you for joining us this week on Tools, Talents, and Techniques. That conversation with Matt and Lance was eye-opening. Again, when you see where people are and what they're doing, to get that type of context and backstory on where they came from and why they're doing what they're doing and how it all came together, it's not only enlightening but it's empowering to know that you know with the right people on your team and the right resources you can accomplish great things so again i want to say thank you to lance thank you to matt thank you to the entire team over there at measurable all of what you're doing all the investors all of the supporters all the clients you're doing some great great work and we're very excited to see your success and to see where you're going to take things next so for all the listeners again we appreciate you and we are open to feedback. So if there's anything that you want to let us know, please send us a message. Also make sure that if you do like this, that you subscribe, you give five stars, you write positive comments and make sure that you subscribe because we have a lot of great guests that are going to share very, very powerful, insightful stories. And hopefully it can inspire you to take the next step in whatever you're considering. So thank you again. And I look forward to next time.